right eye dominant. 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 This is the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I am your host, Nick Toro Jr., and I'll be flying solo on this episode. I won't have a guest with me. And I do want to point out that I did get a comment from a regular listener who wanted to make sure that even though I have been incorporating interviews into my episodes, that I wouldn't abandon these solo efforts. And I appreciated that comment because I do sometimes get self-conscious about just sitting here talking all alone. So uh, glad to hear that that does bring value to at least some listeners. And so in that spirit, today's episode will be a solo effort. And I'm going to focus on a subject which is something that many of us would rather not think about, but certainly is an integral part of our lives. And that's the idea of death. And the idea that death and photography have very tight connections. Um, In previous episodes, I've touched on this subject a little bit, and I thought it would be maybe the right time of year to just explore this deeper connection that photography has with death. And not just death in the literal sense, although I will talk about that quite a bit, but also metaphorically or philosophically, the art form of photography has always had, probably more so than any other art form, a very deep connection with the idea of death. So that's where I'll be going with this episode. I will be sharing my own thoughts, but also sharing thoughts from writers, artists, photographers who've dealt with this subject directly. I also have a really interesting book here, and it's called Beyond the Dark Veil, Postmortem and Morning Photography. And it's filled with images that are right in line with what we're going to be talking about today. But I would like to go beyond sort of the historical background of the idea of photography and death and bring it right up to contemporary times and see how the two are still intertwined today. So that's where we're going with today's episode. Thanks for joining me. And now let's get into today's topic, death and photography. So if we're going to talk about death in regards to photography, I think we should probably go back to the origins of the medium because the history of photography has always had visuals that either referenced death or showed death in a very overt way. It's always been part of the medium's power. If you look at some of the earliest applications of photography, and that would certainly include war photography. I'll focus specifically on the war photography created by Matthew Brady during the American Civil War. 
It was really the first time that a, a large amount of people, a large audience, could see realistic imagery of the repercussions of war, and that includes the destruction not only of the environment or the landscape, but also of uh, human life itself. So clearly the photographic medium was uh, used to cover war and death very early on, and obviously this still continues to this day. We certainly see photographic images of suffering, photographic images of death, and oftentimes these images carry with them the potential for changing public opinion or changing political policies. Unfortunately, sometimes they also have the effect of us being desensitized to suffering and death. We also have seen certainly recently very graphic images, mostly in the media, of suffering and death when it comes to migration, oftentimes forced migration due to economic or wartime realities in people's homeland. The idea that you can see a photograph, whether you're looking at a morning newspaper or looking at your computer and seeing an actual visual of somebody who has died, I think is quite different than reading words or description or seeing a drawing or a painting of the same situation. So images of death have really always been part of the history of photography. And there's been two particular writers who've spoken or written at length on the subject of death. The first is the writer Susan Sontag, who had written a book all about the medium of photography. It's called On Photography. And anyone even marginally interested in this medium should get their hands on that book. It's an exploration of a lot of subjects, but I think Sontag really hits on a lot of salient points when it comes to the subject of death and its connection with photography. So I'd like to read a few quotes from Susan Sontag from her book on photography, where she really speaks eloquently on the medium's connection with death. So this is a quote. Photographs instigate, they confirm, they seal legends. Seen through photographs, people become icons of themselves. Photography converts the world itself into a department store or a museum without walls in which every subject is depreciated into an article of consumption, promoted into an item for aesthetic appreciation. But photography also converts the world into a cemetery. Photographers are connoisseurs of beauty, but they are also, wittingly or unwittingly, the recording angels of death. The photograph as photograph shows death. More than that, it shows the sex appeal of death. All photographs testify to time's relentless melt. So there's a lot to unpack there, and 
The thing that really strikes me certainly at the end of this quote is where she says, all photographs testify to time's relentless melt. And I think that's really apparent when we look at photographs, certainly photographs maybe from our own personal family collections or even photographs that live on your social media feed. Um, Photographs, once they're taken, are a document of a time that no longer exists. And obviously that's one of the key components of the medium of photography. But if we scratch a little deeper, we can see the subjects of the photographs are no longer the same. And that's true whether it's five minutes after the photograph is taken or five years or 50 years after the photograph is taken. People age and die. Places change. Houses are lived in and then moved out of. And all of this can be seen in the documents of our own personal photography. And so we may have family photos of grandparents that are no longer with us, or of people who are seen as infants and are now in adult or even old age. And I think that that is that sort of layer of time passing that Sontag so eloquently uh, commented on. It's something that I think about when I not only look at my own photographs and my own artistic photographs, never mind personal photographs that I swipe through on my iPhone, but also photographs of other people, photographs that people share on their social media feeds. When I look at them, they may be joyous occasions or celebratory, but I also view them with this tinge of of sadness, I think, because these people who are sharing, they will be changing, their lives will be changing. The photographs and the people featured in them will age and and sadly, but realistically, they will die. A second writer who commented on the power of photography and its connection with death is noted philosopher Roland Barthes. He wrote a, a fantastic book called Camera Lucida. And he talks about looking at family photographs, his own personal family photographs, and where that pushes his mind into the subject of death. And in a general sense, he addresses the topic of death in very clear, direct terms. And this is a quote. All those young photographers who are at work in the world, determined upon the capture of actuality, do not know that they are agents of death. This is the way in which our time assumes death, for death must be somewhere in society. If it is no longer, or less intently, in religion, it must be elsewhere, which produces death while trying to preserve life. Contemporary With the withdrawal of rights, photography may correspond to the intrusion in our modern society of an asymbolic death. Outside of religion, outside of ritual, a kind of abrupt dive into literal death. Life slash death. The paradigm is reduced to a simple click. 
the one separating the initial pose from the final print. So if we think a little bit more of uh, the words of Roland Barthes and what he's saying about photography, I think it's, again, an interesting way to look at photography and how he really reduces that moment of the click of the shutter where we're really at that line where life and death meet. And I think about that in a much more philosophical way. But if we're looking at literal connections between death and photography, we can look no further than the book Beyond the Dark Veil, which I mentioned at the onset, is a book filled with images of postmortem and mourning photography. And it's from a collection of the Thanatos archive. You know, we leaf through this book and right away we're confronted with images of death. The first chapter, as a matter of fact, is called Children and Family. And we see right from the onset photographs of loss in terms of family and children shown after they have died. There are daguerreotypes from the 1850s of parents posing with their dead child. Um, and if we leaf through this book further, we see pictures not only of the deceased, but also the living family members posing in the photographs with those who have passed. And I think it's interesting to look at these photographs and to see that there had been this tradition of photography documenting death, not documenting the moment of death. Instead, these photographs are shown as mourning photos. The deceased is often seen well-dressed, laid out, not always in a coffin, sometimes sitting in a chair their eyes closed and their bodies hunched over. And in many ways, they look like they may be asleep. But of course, we know that they are deceased. Um, what I find really uh, compelling about these photographs also is that a lot of the photographs are in ornate frames and they definitely look like they were family keepsakes of those who have passed on. And page after page, we see children, infants, young family members. And I look at these photographs and the, after thinking about many things, I, I realize that it's a reminder that life is not only fleeting, uh, but it's precious and precarious. And I say that because the photographs are so often of young people and we don't know necessarily how they died or what caused their death. But it just is a reminder that, you know, photographs of people who have passed away don't necessarily have to reveal the trauma of war or more graphic, violent reasons why someone may have died. 
And in fact, these photographs are posed portraits of those who have died and are really shown in a very touching, very personal, and one could say very beautiful way. And I'm looking at these photographs and I'm thinking about the whole tradition of death photographs or mourning photographs. And it does, at least as shown in this book, look like something that used to be a pretty common occurrence, certainly back in the 1800s and early 1900s. But is it something that is relevant to today? And are there uh, reasons why we stopped seeing these kinds of photographs? Or are they making some sort of comeback? And so I think that that's a subject that we can go and explore a little bit more as we move away from these more historic, some would say antique representations of death and mourning in photography. So as I pointed out earlier, the connection of death and photography certainly isn't something that has been relegated to the history books, nor is it something that is subject matter that you might just find on the walls of a museum or a photo gallery. And if we look at the world of fine art photography or the medium of art photography, we'll see numerous examples of artists who have dealt with the subject of death in their own work. And that's definitely something that hasn't gone away. And even if we look to the near past of photo history, we would see photographs certainly such as those of uh, Robert Maplethorpe, who as he was declining, suffering and dying from AIDS, photographed himself uh, in a very overt and obvious way that he was dealing with death. And to look at those photographs now, not only as a, as a document of, of an artist dealing with his own demise, but also in the long context of Mablethorpe's photography, uh, he handled his own death in the same stylistic approach that he applied to his portraiture work, his nudes, and his floral studies as well. So then when you see these photographs of, of him in decline and right before he dies, it is really uh, interesting to see that he, in some way, kept his aesthetic approach consistent even when he turned the camera on himself in his final days. I remember there was also talking about the AIDS crisis. There were numerous photographers who were documenting the ravages brought on by that disease. And I remember seeing a body of work by the photographer Nicholas Nixon, who documented uh, patients that were in a intensive care unit in the hospital suffering and dying from AIDS. And those photographs I remember really struck me because it was, again, something that we may want to turn away from or not connect to in a very straight, humanistic way. And yet these photographs were showing suffering and ultimately death in that way. 
And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, there is the whole world of news and photojournalism, photography, where on a daily basis, we are seeing images of suffering and we're seeing images of death. From the days of Life magazine in the 1940s, showing images of dead American GIs for the first time, to the photojournalists covering the Vietnam War, and then certainly all through the different humanitarian crises of the past decades, whether it's starvation in Africa or the migration challenges, people leaving war-torn areas and then dying on the high seas trying to get to freedom and safety. These are all images that I think we're all familiar with. Seeing these kinds of photographs, it does bring awareness to a large audience in many ways. And beyond that, oftentimes these kinds of photographs uh, bring a, a, an attention, an outrage that does cause changes in policy and changes in behavior of individuals and certainly of governments. But also I think we run the risk of being overwhelmed or inundated with these kind of images to the point where we just kind of shut them out of our minds and they don't have the kind of impact maybe that they're intended to have or perhaps they should have. And then thinking about the idea of death and photography as it pertains to uh, our contemporary lives, I do know that there has been an uptick in funeral photography and having people document uh, funeral services and burials very much in the way that weddings and other celebrations are covered. So family members and friends could have a lasting document of these last moments spent with loved ones and friends. It also brings to mind a recognition of what I would call the collective trauma that just about everyone on this planet has gone through over the last few years in regards to the COVID pandemic. We have been faced with uh, the idea of death and the loss of loved ones uh, probably more immediately and more personally than we have probably in, in many, many decades. And so the idea of photography in dealing with death and a documentation of death, I think is really relevant because we've gone through this challenge and trauma and we continue to, I believe, and that we had been in situations certainly where loved ones or friends have passed away, but because of the highly contagious nature of COVID, we weren't able to meet in person to, uh, to mourn, and to say our final farewells to the people uh, that we were losing and certainly having them die without having the closure of a funeral or a memorial service in person. And so I think it's relevant that we look at portrayals of death in the medium of photography and how it's still part of our visual vernacular, even if it's something that may seem unpleasant or something we'd rather not look at, there's definitely precedent for it 
that goes all the way back to the formation of the medium of photography. So there you have it, my discussion about death and its connection with photography. And as I always do, I'll include links in the show notes so you'll be able to see some of the photographs and the work of photographers and artists who I've mentioned in this podcast, as well as the book Behind the Dark Veil. I'll share a link for that as well. So I really want to thank you for listening. As always, it's really a thrill for me to be able to do this podcast and know that I have an audience out there who's supportive and interested in the things that I talk about. Uh, To that end, if you could uh, leave a rating or a review on the platform that you're listening to this podcast on, I'd appreciate it. And I thank those of you who have done so already. Uh, If you have any questions or comments or challenges or uh, even ideas for subject matter for this podcast, go to writeidominantpodcast.com. You'll scroll down and you'll see that there's a section where you can get in touch with me, send me a message, and you'll find all the episodes that I've released there as well. So thank you for listening. This has been the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I've been your host, Nick Toro Jr. Go out and have a great day. Cheer up. I know this was a dark one, but that's life sometimes, huh? Uh, Until next time, stay well. This podcast has been a production of RightEyeDominant.art. The music for this episode has been brought to you by The Conant Project, Yazar, and The White Plains. 